the place for Celtics news, the place for Celtics opinion, the place for Celtics talk. It's Cattles on Causeway. What's up on this Wednesday? Thanks for joining us as always. We appreciate you. If you're listening on Apple Pods or Spotify, rate and review. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to give us that thumbs up. It means an awful lot to us and this program. Also, don't forget to comment on my thoughts during this show and subscribe. Your subscriptions mean an awful lot. Trying to go to uh, 1,250 subscriptions by the end of this coming weekend. You subscribing would help that as always. Okay. Let's start with Kristaps Porzingis, number one. Uh, he has a right knee contusion. He picked up this injury against the Knicks on Monday night. He knocked knees with Julius Randle. Porzingis is questionable tonight versus Philadelphia. I want to look at KP's difference-making ability on this basketball team early on. Now, I went through Porzingis' ability on both ends of the floor and what it could mean for the Celtics during this season. I thought Porzingis was a fantastic pickup. I had absolutely zero issue trading Marcus Smart for Porzingis because Porzingis is the better player. And I don't think it's close. I think a lot of people didn't quite understand who Porzingis was. Some in the media didn't understand it. Some fans did not understand it. But hopefully after 10 games, you now see the difference-making ability of KP and why he was called the unicorn when he was drafted into the NBA. You could see all of the ability out there on both ends. And he has continued to improve throughout the last few years on both ends of the floor, which has gone overlooked by many. People thought you were just bringing in Chris Stapps from three, four years ago. That's not the case. We try to tell you here. Hopefully now you've seen it and you truly believe it. But let's start with Porzingis and just his approach. His attitude to all of this. I have been struck in a good way by Porzingis' humility and selflessness on the floor and off the floor. You know, this is a guy who has seemingly not really cared about getting his own, so to speak. He signed the two-year extension that gave him security. He has said he just wants to win. And there's a difference between saying it and actually going out there and doing it, improving it through your actions. And what Porzingis has shown us through his actions is that he truly cares about winning first and foremost. He's not worried about, you know, getting 10 shots up at a given time. He's not worried about long stretches where he might go away a little bit while JT and JB are going or Derek White or Drew Holiday. He has fit seamlessly into this organization and operation as that third or fourth guy in the humility and the selflessness by his actions and from his words have been really, really nice to see to start this season. Because when you have this much talent in the top six, you need guys to buy in. You need big Al to be okay. Coming off the bench. You need drew holiday to be okay with being the fourth option. Most nights you need KP. Okay. Being the third option. And so far, as far as that goes, it seems like all of these guys individually have handled this professionally and maturely. And now we see a team that is willing to subjugate its ego for the bigger picture. And that's what Porzingis is doing. So I, I start with the humility and the selflessness, that the fact that this guy is not worried about himself. He's not worried about getting points. He's not worried about getting up shots. He's not worried about, quote, unquote, cooking. He's worried about the team. Secondly, 
I talked about this when Porzingis was traded for. The idea that the Celtics desperately needed somebody who could be a three. Now, did that guy have to be as talented as Porzingis? Probably not. But they needed somebody who could be a consistent third scorer. Brogdon was seen as that guy last year, but of course, he was coming off the bench. He's a sixth man. Marcus Smart could not be that guy. Not consistent enough shooting-wise. And you see that with Memphis. You know, he's not giving you 20 points a night, even though John Morant and others have been out of the lineup. It's just not really his game. So Marcus was not a good third guy as a scorer. Al Horford is not a good third guy. He's a fourth guy. So you needed somebody. When JT and JB or JT or JB are struggling from the floor, when they might be out a certain night because of an injury or something else that pops up, you needed somebody for this team to believe in, to get the basketball to, and could score. Again, it didn't have to be effortless. It, it didn't have to be as good as what we've seen from KP so far, but he has proven to be that third offensive cog within this system. And you saw it the other night against the Knicks. On Monday night against New York, you had JB, JT kind of off for stretches. They really couldn't find it at times, or they were sitting out. They were on the bench getting some rest. And what happened? The Celtics were able to go into Porzingis. And you saw it on two possessions in the first half when the offense was sputtering. Porzingis back to the basket, easy buckets, including an and one. And then you see it in the second half when he has a big third quarter. Porzingis' buckets in the second quarter and his big third quarter allowed the Seas to hang around, even though they weren't playing great, they weren't shooting great, allowed them to hang around to the fourth quarter, and then they gained that separation, and they ran away with it when Tatum got going, which I'll get to in a little bit. But those crucial moments, the critical junctures of games, when Tatum's out or Brown's out or both guys just don't really have it going, can you find offense? Can you find that third option? And Porzingis has proven so far, yes, you can, and it is him. Drew Holiday also not afraid of taking and making big shots. But that's going to be big. You get into the postseason, and you have these games. We've seen it. You have these games. They become slogs in the postseason. Playoff basketball, different than regular season basketball. Defense is much, much better. It's a seven-game series. Lots of film. Lots of prep. So when you need that, and we've seen it, the last couple of postseason runs, right? We've seen these stretches where Tatum might not have it going all the way. Where Brown is trying to do too much. He's turned the ball over. He's forcing some shots. Porzingis is going to be gigantic in those stretches, literally and figuratively, and we've seen it. I also like the early chemistry that I see with Porzingis and the other guys. I love Porzingis as a passing big to Brown. We've seen that a a number of times already. Brown backdoor cut. Porzingis hits him with a nice bounce pass. We talked about Porzingis' passing ability being overlooked before this season tipped off. Again, you can check out this pod. We give it to you like that. And we talked about Porzingis, more than capable, passing big. And we've seen the connection with he and JB working out very well. We've seen some of the two-man game with Tatum and the guards with Porzingis. The pick and pop, the pick and roll. We've seen Porzingis, him go backdoor, rim run, alley-oops, right? Finishing at the rim. So I've been very impressed with how easily Porzingis has slid right into this lineup and has gelled with pretty much every single guy. That says a lot about the ability of Porzingis. It also speaks to his basketball IQ. It's obviously very high. 
You can put him in almost any position, and he figures it out. He can be the three option, the four option, the five option. He can play outside. He can play inside. He can be the passer. He can be the catch-and-shoot guy off the pick and pop. He could be the roll man to the bucket and finish at the rim. He could do all of that. It's very impressive. Very, very impressive. And defensively, he changes shots. And people had talked about this, and we addressed it before the season. I, I try to say and try to tell everybody, Porzingis can play defense, man. Now, he's not a, an all-NBA type defender, but he can play defense. He can rim protect. He can change shots. And that's what we've seen. Adam Taylor on Porzingis' defense at Celtics blog. They do great work over there. Over his first 10 games, Taylor writes, Boston stretch five is guarding an average of 6.6 shot attempts from deep holding his opponents to 38% from the field. A good example of Porzingis studying tendencies and looking to limit their effectiveness is how Porzingis guarded Bam Adebayo when Boston played Miami. Porzingis guarded Adebayo for 38.5 partial possessions, leading to 8 minutes and 24 seconds of game time the pair were matched up. During that time, Adebayo shot 8 of 15. And, and a lot of people said, man, Adebayo cooked Porzingis. Yeah, Adebayo... Did well against Porzingis, obviously. 8 of 15, better than 50% shooting. However, what does Miami try to do? They run a lot of offense through Bam. And Kristaps made that difficult. It's almost as if Kristaps said, hey, I'm going to allow you. I'm going to allow you to score some buckets. And, and this isn't to take away from Bam. Bam's a very good player. And I'm sure Bam scored against Porzingis because Bam's good. But Porzingis' approach was that he was not going to allow Adebayo to initialize that offense. He, he was not going to allow that. Adebayo had two assists with Porzingis defending him. And as Taylor writes in Celtics blog, Miami runs a lot of their actions through Bam. Their elbow offense is a focal point in getting Jimmy Butler heading downhill. And Taylor makes the point, and he has videos here. Again, check it out, Celtics blog. Porzingis looked to limit the play initiation from the elbows when guarding Adebayo. So I'm going to take away the bread and butter. If you score, hey, man, because you're good, good on you. But I'm not going to make it easy on you or the team to get that basketball to Jimmy Butler where Butler wants it. That's game film. That's understanding tendencies. Also, Porzingis has helped on the glass. Again from Taylor, there's also an upside to having a legitimate seven-footer around the glass. Porzingis is averaging almost seven rebounds per game. He's leading the Celtics with almost two box outs per game. One and a half of those coming on the defensive end. Boston has multiple solid rebounders in their rotation, allowing them to control their own glass and the pace of the game. That's why the Celtics currently rank second in opponents, second chance points allowed, giving up just 11.8 per game. Now, I would say, and I warned everybody about this early on, right? Porzingis is a good defender. He's a good rim protector. He has the ability to change shots at all levels of the floor. All three levels of the floor he can defend. Mid-range, outside, inside, he can do it. But there is one thing that Porzingis is not necessarily great at, and that is defending big-bodied, big-framed cats. Those guys give Porzingis some issues. We saw it against Joel Embiid. We saw it early against the Knicks on Monday night. The offensive rebounding, the second chance points early. You have to gang rebound. You got to make sure you're boxing out because Porzingis, that is not a strong suit of his. Playing those bigger guys. He's just not that guy against big frame dudes. Other than that, though, I think you all have to be happy 
with Chris Stapps, Porzingis, and what he's done so far this year. All right, don't forget, rate and review, Spotify, Apple Pods. If you're watching on YouTube, click on that thumbs up button. means an awful lot to us. More eyeballs for the product, more people involved with the community. So give us that thumbs up. Leave a comment as well on Celtics coverage, and don't forget to subscribe. Let's talk about Jason Tatum against the Knicks the other night. Didn't love the the shot selection, even when he was making shots in the fourth quarter. I had posted on X. You can follow me, Nick C Radio. Check down below there at Nick C Radio. Um, I had posted during the game, like I don't love. It was early in the fourth quarter before he got cooking. I, I said I, I I don't love the shot selection from from Tatum tonight, and I'll get into that in a little bit. But bigger picture, before the season, we talked about Tatum taking that next step. And the next step is to go from a top seven or eight guy to like a top three guy. And that's the most difficult step to make. It, it might sound easy because it's number eight to number three, but the difference between number three and number eight is significant. If you're a number three guy, if you're a top three guy in the NBA, then you are going to be somebody who should be able to lead your team and carry your team if needed consistently to win a title. Those kinds of guys, right? The Steph Curry's of the world, the Jokic's of the world. One of those guys. And the question was, can Tatum take that next step? Can he consistently beast other top guys? Because once you get to the playoffs, it usually comes down to which best player of either team there, which best player out of the two teams played their best. Usually that team wins the series. Not all the time, but the vast majority of the time. So could Tatum take that next step and consistently beast other top guys? We're not going to fully have that answer until we get to the postseason. But you've seen you've seen some instances where Tatum has just absolutely taken over and looked like that kind of guy. Like having no concern whatsoever for the opposition's life and health and game and just taking it to them. The fourth quarter against the Knicks, again, even though he took some tough shots, he took a few no, 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 yes shots in that fourth quarter, but he made them. And that's the difference, right? That fourth quarter against the Knicks, the breakdown of that game, the breakdown of the entire game was the Celtics had Tatum, the Knicks did not have Tatum. Because in that fourth quarter, Tatum took that game over, and that game was over because of it. So Celtics had Tatum, Knicks didn't. And that is the difference maker. That is the guy. That Jason Tatum is top three. That Jason Tatum wins a title. Difficult shots, scoring. That guy who looks almost impossible to stop, that guy is top three Tatum. We saw it in the fourth. I do think, to get back to the shot selection, I do think Tatum needs to continue to stay away from the path of least resistance that approach offensively. And I thought we saw a little bit of that uh, in the Knicks game. We saw that against the Timberwolves where it's, I'm going to dribble a little bit too much and I'm going to take a three. I'm going to have some possessions here down the floor where I'm just going to kind of jack up a shot and I'm not going to really work it around to the other guys. I'm not going to work on posting up. I'm not going to try to drive. I'm just going to kind of take the first shot that I see. If I think a shot is being given to me, I'm going to take that shot, even though it might not be the best shot, the path of least resistance. And we saw that against the Knicks on Monday night. I still want to see less of that Tatum. 
He's obviously capable of making tough shots. We saw it in the fourth quarter. We've seen it throughout his career. We saw it against Milwaukee a couple of years ago in game six. We saw it against Philadelphia last year in game seven. He has that capability of knocking those tough shots down, but you don't have to make it so tough on yourself at times. And at times, you know, he almost makes it tougher on himself by trying to find that path of least resistance and just chucking up threes. I just... Make it a little bit easier at times. Get get post-ups, continue to post up, look for those straight line drives when you have a little bit of space, give it to somebody and get it back on the move. That makes it a little bit easier. So I, I still want to see that. I've seen more of it this year from Tatum than the past few years, but I feel like Tatum has kind of started to migrate back to the Tatum of, I'm going to take a good number of threes and we'll see how it works out. And then I might change my game. I'd like early in a game for aggressive Tatum, post-up Tatum, driving Tatum. I'd like to see that early in a game more often than I have seen it in the past couple of games, uh, especially though the Minnesota game and the Knicks game. Uh, just be more patient with the offense. Be more patient with your offense. Be more patient with the offense. I think we've seen more of that. I do think that Tatum, compared to prior years, he has been more patient to get into his offense. Again, I'm talking about the Knicks game, the Timberwolves game, a couple of examples where he's gotten out of himself a little. But for the most part this year so far, he has had more patience. He has posted up more. He has driven to the rim more. He has finished through contact more. All of that is good. And, he, you know, the more patient he is with the offense, the tougher that offense is going to be able to stop, be stopped by the opposition. It's as simple as that. The other thing about Tatum that I love, he remains to be engaged on defense, which is fantastic. He remains engaged on the glass, which is awesome. He's averaging about nine rebounds a game. He's had a couple of, you know, 10 plus games with 12 rebounds, 15 rebounds. He continues to attack the glass. He, he continues to attack defensively, which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Because when you have your best player buying in all facets of the game, everybody else is going to buy in. Now, the question is, will Tatum be able to sustain some of these things that we've discussed when the team is not playing as well? If this team goes through a tough stretch, does Tatum try to do too much? Does the bad shot selection become a problem? You know, does he start to go ISO heavy a little bit too often? Do we see some more turnovers because he's pressing because they're not playing as well? Does the defense slip a little bit? We'll have to see if they if they do go through that tough stretch how Tatum responds. But so far, he's been absolutely terrific this season. Rate and review Apple Pods and Spotify. Like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube. Trying to build up the numbers for this podcast so we can continue to do it. Again, it's like, comment, subscribe on YouTube. Rate and review on Spotify and Apple Pods. Let's close with a, a few tidbits here on the C's. Sam Hauser. We talked about this bench. They had to get it going after the first six or seven games. Both Hauser and Pritchard were not playing well. They weren't shooting well. Hauser has made Missoula look like a genius. Of course, he's shooting lights out. I mean, he's just been bananas from three, including that Knicks game. But there's more to Hauser than just making threes. And that's been proven the last few games. He, he's got it going on both ends. Sarah Jane Gamelli, again, Celtics blog, check him out. And Saturday's victory, she wrote, over the Raptors, the wing held scores to 25% field goal shooting, had four contested shots. Bigger and stronger Pascal Siakam went 0 of 3 against Hauser. 
tied second overall with the Magic in defensive efficiency. Boston is upholding their defensive goals set prior to the beginning of the season. According to NBA stats, Hauser ranks in the top 10 in isolation defense, limiting opponents to just 33% shooting. So the idea that Hauser is just a bad defensive player isn't necessarily true. Now, there are tough matchups for him. And when he goes against guys that are super athletic, he, he could have some issues from time to time, but he's not a complete sieve. And teams still are trying to attack Hauser. Missoula talked about this the other night. And he said, I think I know why, but I don't want to get in trouble, so I won't say. I think we kind of know where Joe's you know, getting at there, what he's getting at. But Hauser, he continuously has the crosshairs on him when he goes out there. Teams think they're going to be able to just pick on him and take advantage of him. And for the most part, that has not been the case. He's been able to hold his water for the most part. Not a great defender, but he's been solid more often than not. So he's not just this extreme weak link that teams see him as defensively. If he's going to be streaky shooting, okay, he's not going to sit there and knock down like 50-plus percent of his threes the entire season. He started off really slow. He's gotten super hot. He's a streaky kind of guy. But when he has his shots falling and he's giving you this solid defense, those are some big minutes at the wing for this team. You need to give JT and JB a break. You need somebody out there that can play the wing and give you solid minutes. And you also need somebody who can shoot the ball at the wing. And, you know, you look at guys like Brissett and Stevens, those guys aren't great shooters. So the Celtics, they need a wing who can knock down shots. I think they could go out and get another wing that can knock down shots as a matter of fact. But if Hauser's making shots, that's at least you're halfway there because you need somebody at that position, at the wing position, to be able to do that. Another tidbit, the Knicks game. Latest example of the Celtics finishing against a tough team. They've done it twice against the Knicks this year. Obviously, the opener at MSG and then Monday night at the Garden. And I, I go back a few weeks ago. I've kept this Jalen Brown quote in the back pocket because I, I thought it was a fantastic quote. And it really sets the stage for what this team needs to do to be at its ultimate success level, winning a title. JB said a few weeks ago, I think that will be the difference. If we can be able to have that mentality for longer durations during the season and focus level for longer durations, it's tough being talented because it invites laziness. It invites complacency. But that's going to be our enemy this season. It's going to be us versus us. And our leaders on the team, we've got to make sure that we emphasize from the top to the bottom that we've got to run through the finish line. you got to run through the tape. Run through the tape, young man. And that Jalen Brown quote from a few weeks ago, that's why I kept it in the back pocket because no true words could have been spoken by Jalen Brown. He's absolutely right. When you have a talented top six like this, laziness inevitably comes into play. Complacency comes into play. You have to be willing to fight that. You've got to push back on those urges. You've got to look at it and say, no, yes, we're super talented, but we can't be lazy with this. We can't get complacent with this. We get lazy. We get sloppy. We can't just give games away. We've got to continue to run through the finish line, night in and night out. Is it always going to happen? Of course not. To expect any NBA team to play a full 82, like their hair is on fire, their life is on the line, and they have this extreme urgency, that would be unreasonable. But if the Celtics do that, 
vast majority of the nights they play, they are going to win. That's how you get a 60-win team. You get a 60-win team because you have talent, but you also have a team that doesn't get lazy, doesn't get complacent, and truly understands they have to continue to throw punches and run through that finish line. And on Monday night, that was just the latest example this season of them doing that. There's been four or five games this year that we have seen that happen. I thought against Minnesota, they did get a little complacent. That kind of crept in. You have to fight those urges. If this team approaches things with the right mentality, with their talent, with their top six talent, most dangerous team in the league, best team in the league. And I know the Nuggets are really good. I know the Timberwolves have been off to a great start. I know Philadelphia, as you get ready to play them tonight, as I record this, have been really good. But we saw some of it. We saw some of the complacency. We saw some of the sluggishness against Minnesota and against Philadelphia. You lost both of those games. I don't think that's a coincidence. You have to fight those urges. You've got to push back. Last thing to mention here, Joe Mazzulla's uh, late challenge against the Raptors. I know everybody was talking about it while I was on vacation, semi-vacation. I was still doing the pod. 25-plus uh, point lead with about three and a half minutes left. I thought the challenge was silly. I understand the point that Missoula is trying to make to his team. But, I mean, come on. You're up by, what, 27 with three and a half minutes to go? Just play on. That's that's a little bit of hardo action, right? You're being a little bit of a hardo. You're overcoaching a little bit. Give it a rest. And, and there are instances here where Joe is still kind of pushing things. I don't understand continuing to play Tatum and Brown as long as he did against the Raptors. Now, I understand guys want their stats. And I understand that you're going to leave them in at some points because they're going to they're going to put up points and they want to put up points and they're going to have some games. If the season goes as well as many hope that it will, you could have many games where these guys aren't playing four quarters. They're not playing 30 plus minutes. And so it has to even out, right? They, they want their, they do want their stats. They want their reputation to, you know, sustain throughout the league. So I get part of that, but you've got to, you've got to weigh the pros and the cons. And when you're talking about a 20 plus point game and you've got Tatum and Brown in that game in the fourth quarter, I don't like it. I don't care about your excuse. I, I don't care about, you know, oh, JT wants to score. They wanted to stay out there. I couldn't care less. One of those guys gets injured when you're up by 20 plus and they're out there playing for some stupid reason. You could ruin your year. So enough of that. And I also think, you know, two, two, one presses up by 20 plus points is a bit much as well. All right, that'll do it. Big game tonight against Philly. We'll see who plays. Porzingis questionable. Jalen Brown also questionable with an illness. Joel Embiid questionable, so this might be a stink burger if nobody plays, but we'll see. Uh, until then, uh, you can rate and review Apple Pods, Spotify. Don't forget, like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube. Uh, it's Cattles on Causeway. We'll talk to you uh, next week.